Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Go check out Morbidly Beautiful right now for all your pop culture horror needs. They have everything from interviews, reviews, retrospective, introspectives, top ten lists, recommendations, everything. Go check them out right now. And when you're finished listening to this episode of the podcast, go check out the plethora of other episodes and podcasts that Morbidly Beautiful has to offer. They have a great lineup and it seems to be growing by the day. We also have another one coming to the family very soon, so keep an eye out for that. I'm very excited for it as well. And I do apologize for last week. I know I missed an episode, and that was the first time in God knows how long. A year? Maybe more since I missed a week? And I do apologize, but this whole coronavirus thing has got everybody kind of in a tizzy, and I just didn't have the space or the time, which is weird because I'm home all day, to really sit down and pump out an episode. Maybe it was a motivation thing. I'm not 100% sure why I didn't actually get around to it other than I didn't have the space. My wife is home as well from work, and I just don't have the recording space when I have another person here. I like peace and quiet, obviously, for recording purposes, but I also need it for concentration. If there's somebody sitting on the couch behind me, then I have a little bit of a difficult time (laughs) processing my thoughts, I guess you could say. It's a lame excuse, but it's the only one I've got. And hopefully, I won't miss another one for a very long time, if ever. But on to the cast itself. Now, I mentioned a few weeks ago that I was going to continue the History of Demons series on Patreon. And there's a few episodes up there. But, considering the whole pandemic going on right now, I thought I'd continue that. It seems to be one of the more popular series that I'm doing. And, well, I thought I'd continue doing that for free for everybody to enjoy. Demons are a very interesting topic, and unlike many of the other creatures in the realm of cryptozoology and mythology, demons hold a very special place in many people's minds. From movies and literature to other pop culture sources, these guys are everywhere, and they always have a very interesting story or history behind them. And sometimes the pop culture references don't do them justice, so I'm going to be looking at a very specific demon today. So strap yourself in as we look at one of the first and meanest demons to ever appear in any sort of text or literature. This is Belial. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. Now, Belial is a very interesting and powerful demon, and I first heard about Belial, actually, thanks to a video game called Diablo. And that's, truth be told, where a lot of this interest in demonology comes from for me is pop culture. From The Exorcist to games like Diablo, they have a lot of lore behind them, and, you know, I figured, what better place to start this whole journey than with what interests me? And, well, here we are today, talking about Belial. Now, a lot of this information is going to come not from Michelle Bellinger's book, The Dictionary of Demons, but rather Mythology.net, 
And this article I found was written by one Professor Geller. And I've had his content up on the podcast before. I think he's a very great resource, and he seems like a very interesting and well-knowledged writer. He describes Belial very quickly at the beginning of this article as a powerful demon existed before Satan and pandered to the needs of the perverts, atheists, the worthless, occultists, or anyone with a disturbed soul. According to the ancient Dead Sea Scrolls, Belial, or the King of Evil, was responsible for bringing wickedness to man. Now right off the bat, that little intro kind of throws everything a lot of people know about evil and demons into a whirlwind. Wasn't it Satan or Lucifer who originally created sin and all that? Most people think that. You think of the story of Adam and Eve and how the serpent tempted the humans into eating the forbidden fruit. And that snake happened to be the embodiment of, well, the devil. But maybe not so much. We'll find out a little bit more as we read on here. Now, who is Belial? Belial is also referred to as Belier, and it's a demon. The word means worthless in Hebrew, and later came to represent the personification of the devil. In the Old Testament of the Bible, the word tends to be used to describe a class of people, for instance, the sons of Belial. The New Testament introduces Satan as the ruler of evil, but prior to that, Belial was said to be one of his predecessors. In demonology, he is one of Satan's most notable demon sources. Now, Belial has appeared in a handful of texts throughout history, and he appears 27 times in the Masoretic text, an authoritative Hebrew and Aramaic text. The word is used in a Hebrew context to describe many debase concepts or persons, such as those who support or encourage the worship of other gods those who have committed sex crimes, or even the simple rabble-rouser. Rabble-rabble-rabble-rabble. That's an old meme. In the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Angel of Light and the Angel of Darkness are mentioned. God is cited as the Angel of Light, and Belial the contrary. The demon was said to bring guilt and wickedness to man. The source also recounts a dream of Amram, the father of Moses where Belial is described as the king of evil, or the prince darkness. The fragments of the Zadokite work, texts contained within the Dead Sea Scrolls, speak of the three nets of Belial. They are fornication, wealth, and pollution of the sanctuary. He is depicted as a rebel, or an agent of divine punishment, and is said to be the one who influenced the Egyptian sorcerers to oppose Moses. The text also classifies any of his followers as necromancers or wizards. The Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs, one of the hidden scriptures linked to the Old Testament, depicts the demon as God's adversary and places him in the role of the tempter. The texts cite that the fornication brings man closer to Belial and separates him from God. It also claims that when the soul is disturbed, it is Belial ruling over it. When Egypt leaves Israel, Belial will remain with the Egyptians in darkness, the document further asserts. It also supports the view that the Messiah will punish the demon and his followers on his return. Another hidden text depicts him as the angel of lawlessness and the actual ruler of earth. The demon is also mentioned in John Milton's Paradise Lost and Robert Browning's Siloquy of the Spanish Cloister. 
both poets were considered free thinkers in their respective times. There are some occult references as well regarding Belial, and they go as such. Various occult texts refer to Belial, including the 17th century grimoire, the Lesser Key of Solomon, Aldister Crowley's Gosha, and the Satanic Bible. In the Gosha, Belial is introduced as King of the Demons and created second only to Lucifer. He is said to bring favors to magicians and appears as two angels standing in a chariot of fire. In the Pseudo-Demonicaria Demonum, he is listed as one of the top demons. He is described in the text as a seducer of all fallen angels. He is also illustrated as being extremely deceitful and only offers truth if threatened. Edgar Cayce, a Christian psychic and mystic, used the term Sons of Belial in his deep trance reading sessions in 1937. He was popularly known as the Sleeping Prophet and gave over 2,500 readings to those he induced in a deep trance state. He used the term in the Hebrew sense of worthlessness, but later used it to refer to opposing human forces. 15th century noble Gilles de Ré was said to dabble in alchemy and the occult. Sources claim de Ré attempted to call on the demon using the body's parts of his victims, possibly numbering in the hundreds as a sacrifice. The Frenchman was branded a serial killer and put to death. Now, as I did mention, the demon Belial does appear in more modern things as well, such as literature and video games, and he continues to appear in many books. Dean Kuntz, Phantoms, and Graham Masterson's Master of Lies, films such as Nosferatu and The Exorcism of Emily Rose, just to name a few. He also appears in another video game other than Diablo called Vampire the Requiem, which is the predecessor to Vampire the Masquerade, Bloodlines, if I'm not mistaken, and the sequel to that is coming out very soon. Not soon enough, though, as I'm very bored in this quarantine. Eh, nevertheless, Belial is associated with the immoral, atheists, magicians, or perhaps anyone going against the grain. In today's modern society, however, does the majority not tend towards aberration and diversion in some form? It's more or less the status quo. Now, does the tendency to be self-aware and question previously accepted dogma make us all sons and daughters of Belial? And that's an interesting point that Professor Geller here brings up. Now, I've always questioned religion in the sense that what happened to people before they knew about these more modern religions? Now, every religion claims they are the correct one. And this is going a little bit off topic from the history of demons, but it's a little bit relevant considering the last line of this article here. If, since before Christianity, which is only roughly about 2,000-odd years old, you committed a crime... Did you go straight to hell? Or you just didn't worship the correct God because the correct God hadn't been known or made itself known to man yet? Do you go straight to the bad place, essentially? And that's a question that I've always had in the back of my mind. Is it fair to people who lived hundreds of thousands of years ago or even tens of thousands of years ago or even 5,000 years ago? Is it fair to say that they were terrible sinners who didn't believe in God when... They didn't know any better. Now, I'm not particularly a religious person. I would consider myself an atheist. 
So all of this doesn't really make any sense to me, but for religious scholars or theologists, it's an interesting question. I would love to get the answer one day from anybody who might possibly have the answer to something that is potentially unknown. Now, I have spoken to people in the past, and we've had guests on the show who spoke about, you know, religion and their expertise on the subject, but this is something in the realm of the unknown. We may never have the answers to any of these questions. I do apologize for that little rant, but I thought I'd get that out there. And if you have any thoughts or opinions on it, feel free to let me know. Hit me up Twitter or on the Facebook page and leave your comments or your thoughts there. But back to Belial. Now, the Dead Sea Scrolls seem to be one of the more abundant texts when referring to Belial. And there is a very interesting line in here. And it says here that Belial is the leader of the sons of darkness. Goes as quote, You made Belial for the pit, angel of enmity. In darkness is his domain. His counsel is to bring about wickedness and guilt. All the spirits of his lot are angels of destruction. They walk in the laws of darkness. Towards it goes their only desire. In the rules of the community, God is depicted as saying, I shall not comfort the oppressed until their path is perfect. I shall not retain Belial within my heart. The War Scroll and the Thanksgiving Hymns both delve into the idea that Belial is accursed by God and his people, and shows how the existence of Belial in this world can be attributed to the mysteries of God, since we cannot know why he permits the dealings of Belial to persist. In the Dead Sea Scrolls, Belial is further contrasted with God. These are the angels of light and the angels of darkness. The Manual of Discipline identifies the angel of light as God himself, the angel of darkness is identified in the same scroll as Belial. A little tidbit here as well. In the Jubilees, which is the Book of Jubilees, uncircumcised Gentiles are called sons of Belial. Which is weird, but okay. Belial is also mentioned in the Testaments of the Twelve Patriarchs, which I mentioned earlier, but I'm going to go into a little bit more detail here. The author of the work seems to be a dualist because he presents Belial as God's opponent, not as a servant, but does not mention how or why this came to be. Simeon 5.3 says that fornication separates man from God and brings him near to Belial, which I mentioned previously as well. Levi tells his children to choose between the law of God and the works of Belial. It also states that when the soul is consistently disturbed, the Lord departs from it and Belial rules over it. Nephitali contrasts the law and the will of God with the purposes of Belial. Also in 22, Joseph prophesizes that when Israel leaves Egypt, they will be with God in the light, while Belial remains in the darkness with the Egyptians. Just going into a little bit more detail and the sources of these claims from Professor Geller's articles as well. Finally, the Testament describes that when the Messiah comes, the angels will punish the spirits of deceit and Belial, and that the Messiah will bind Belial and give to his children the power to trample the evil spirits. There is a quote here as well, and it reads as such, For many hath fornication destroyed, 
because though a man be old or noble, it marketh him a reproach, and a laughing stock, with Belial and the sons of men. One of the last Jewish texts to mention Belial is the ascension of Isaiah, and Belial is the angel of lawlessness and the ruler of this world. He's identified as Samael and Satan, and Manasseh turned aside his heart to serve Belial for the angel of lawlessness, who is the ruler of this world, is Belial, whose name is Metanbuchus. And that is from Ascension of Isaiah 2.4. Christianity also mentions Belial once or twice. In the New Testament, the word occurs just once. When Paul the Apostle asks, What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he believeth with an infidel? And that's from 2 Corinthians 6.15. Now, to note here, the spelling found in most manuscripts of 2 Corinthians is actually Belier, B-E-L-I-A-R, as opposed to the more known version of B-E-L-I-A-L. This is the reading preferred by textual scholars, and the change of I to R is attributed to a common change in Aramaic pronunciation. Now, I did mention some other semi-religious texts earlier with John Milton's Paradise Lost and Robert Browning's The Soliloquy of the Spanish Cloister. And now I'll read to you what those references are in those specific works. So, Milton's Paradise Lost is mentioned in Book 1 and Book 2. Belial came last, than whom a spirit moved lewd, fell not from heaven, or more gross to love. Vice for itself... To him no temple stood, or altar smoked. Yet who more oft than he in temples and at altars? When the priest turns atheist, as did Elsie's son, who filled with lust and violence the house of God, in courts and places he also reigns, and in luxurious cities, where the noise of riot ascends above their loftiest towers. And injury and outrage, and when night darkens the streets, then wander forth the sons of Belial, flown with insolence and wine, witness the streets of Sodom. And that night in Jebea, when hospitable Doris yielded their matrons to prevent worse rape. And now his section from Book Two of Paradise Lost. On the other side uprose Belial, an act more graceful and humane, a fair person lost not heaven, but seemed for dignity composed and high exploit, but all was false and hollow, though his tongue dropped manna, and could make the worse appear, the better reason to perplex and dash, maturest counsels for his thoughts were low, Device industrious, but to nobler deeds, timorous and slothful, yet he pleased the air. And now from Robert Browning's 1839 Soliloquy of the Spanish Cloister, specifically the eighth stanza. Or my scrofulous French novel, on grey paper with blunt type, simply glance at it, you grovel, hand and foot, 
in Belial's gripe. If I double down its pages at the woeful sixteenth print, when he gathers his green gauges, opposive and slip it int. Now I do think that is a good place to end this episode. Some classic writings from some incredible writers. Now, if you did like this episode, feel free to leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or really wherever you get your podcasts. Every review helps and it's really awesome to see what you guys have to think about what I'm putting out. And if you do leave it on an app other than iTunes, Stitcher, or Apple, then I may not see it. So feel free to drop me a line on Twitter or wherever and I'll read it out on the podcast if it's a five-star review. Furthermore, if you do want to find me on social media, you can do so on Twitter at HorrorShotsProd, with an R as in production, or on Facebook at HorrorShots. You can also leave a review on the Facebook page. There's an option, I believe, for leaving a review and at least giving it a star rating. I'm not sure about overall reviews, but it's something you can look into, and I will read those ones as well. It's just another avenue for you to interact. And if you do ever have any comments or questions or ideas, feel free 100% to join the Facebook group and leave a comment. I'll read it out and we'll see what we can do. I've had some great ideas come through Facebook in the past, and I look forward to more in the future. Beyond that, there is the option of Patreon. As I mentioned at the top of the cast, that I do tend to, or want to rather, upload the History of Demon series there. So once this whole pandemic thing is over... You can look for some more content going up there, but in the meantime, everything will be on the main feed here. But if you do want to support the cast or me financially, feel free to become a patron. Lastly, if you do want to rep your pride for the podcast, you can do so by checking out my Redbubble store, and the link for that will be in the description. You can pick up the Ominous Origins or Horror Shots logo, or some original work that I've thrown out there in the past. No obligation, but it would be really cool if you did buy one, and then sent me a picture of you wearing the shirt or hat or whatever it is you pick up. It would be really awesome, and I'd share that all over social media. And it would make me a proud papa, so to speak. But that's all I got for you for today. So hopefully I will be back next week. I plan on it. I don't have any reason not to be. So, until next week.